The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, with over 60 million views, YouTube sensation Jefferson Bethke explains why Christianity is about so much more than going to heaven when you die. It's about actually putting it back together where Revelation 21, the end of the book, you know, says that heaven's going to come down to earth like a bride adorned for her husband. And um, I think that's a bigger vision. It makes me more excited that my life actually matters. Because if it's about that escapist vision, then who cares what I do here? Let's just go there. James. And I just love the way you welcome people. And I love that beautiful smile. And we told you she missed a little bit because she had eye surgery. Can you see? I can see these lights are really and, bright. Okay. In here. And you got rid of the cataracts <laughs> and you got better lenses. How do I look? You look. Boy. Man, I was just really hoping that you'd just I mean, fall in you love look with good, me. Right? Oh, thank you, Dorothy. <laughs> Excuse us while we slip out. <laughs> um, you know, we've got uh, one of my favorite people, Jefferson Bethke. Now, you, you probably saw him on the YouTube video that hit about six million in just a few days and then 29 million. And it was, uh, you know, I love Jesus but hate religion or hate religion, love Jesus. Either way it fits, it's what he was talking about. And it just really got everybody's attention. And then he wrote a best-selling book. And now he's got another one that's destined to be a bestseller. It's just out. It's called It's Not What You Think. Um, now, listen, listen to the subheading. Why Christianity is about so much more than going to heaven when you die. You have no idea how much. I pray you come to understand that. Would you welcome Jefferson Bethke back to life today? Jefferson, good to be back. I believe the last time you were here, mm -hmm. because, you know, you'd become so well-known. I mean, you know, you're such a... You, that you had, you were in love, and you were about still. to get married. Still. You still are, but you did get married. Yep. And now you're so later, you got an addition, right? Tell yes, us yes. It. We, uh, I got married about a month after the last time I saw you, and then we, uh, within about ten months, which you know we were doing the classic, you know, people asking us when are you gonna have kids. We say three to five years, three to five years. Ten months in, we're pregnant. So, um, whoops. But um, uh, yeah, she's about fifteen months now. Kinsley Joy Bethke. She's beautiful. I'm kind of biased, but if you go look at my Instagram, she's pretty cute. She mm -hmm. is. I, I saw. Yeah. Yeah, I'll pictures. Yep. Yeah, and I'm so happy for you. Now, okay. I, I really like the, the whole title. I mm -hmm. like you. I think you have a, a remarkable gift. Mm -hmm. But why Christian? Christianity is about so much more than just going to heaven. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to tell you as a preacher that's been around a long time, mm -hmm. you know, maybe people say, you probably, you know, you're on the back, you know, you're on the, you're going out. Mm -hmm. You're in your 70s. You mm -hmm. ain't got long. You've already lived your three score and 10 years. Boy, you're on board time. <laughs> Here, here's the deal. I, I just think that life is... Mm -hmm about so much more than going yeah. to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. Mm -hmm. I believe in it forever. But I just believe there's a whole lot of heaven that should be in us. Mm -hmm. And you talk about the kingdom of God being a reality. I've looked at these chapter titles. I love it. So what do you want us to hear? 
Well, I think specifically with the subtitle, um, one of the huge heartbeats of the book is me really studying the context Jesus was in in the first century, really the Jewish worldview, him as a Jewish rabbi, right? What that entailed, and one of the biggest things is when you said heaven, that word heaven to a first century Jew, they didn't think of a place with babies and wings and diapers, you know, <laughs> with harps in the sky. They didn't think that, right? To them, they just thought like kind of God's dimension, or another way to put it is like God's control room. There was not a distance, it was just a different dimension to earth, kind of like a husband and a wife, right? And God, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, kind of like a, a complement mm -hmm. of each other. Okay. And so heaven is this control room of God, and, and the narrative of Scripture becomes this thing where God, um, because of the brokenness of sin that ripped that marriage apart of heaven and earth, is trying to put it back together. He's trying to put his dimension and our dimension back together, which makes sense when you start reading Jesus, right? The first thing Matthew says that Jesus says in Matthew 4 is, repent, the kingdom of, hev the kingdom of heaven is near, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't say, like, if, that, if, 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 if it was like an American gospel, right? It would be repent, the kingdom of heaven is really, really far away, raise your hand, you go there when you die, right? There you go. That sounds opposite, right? Mm -hmm. That sounds opposite to me. And so I think when you It sounds about as dull as people make it look. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, precisely. I mean, like, that's why when people say, you know, there's, like, when they describe that picture of heaven with the babies and wings, mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to go there, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I would probably see that and run, right? Yeah, right. So, I don't want to sit um, up there playing a harp all day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but to me, it becomes really exciting when you really realize that this life, every moment I have that I'm breathing, whether it's in my marriage, as a father, how I deal with finances, or anything of that regard, my whole life is all about how do I bring heaven down here to earth? How do I make what's true of heaven, kind of God's dimension where he's fully reigning and ruling, and how do I make that true over my own life? Which then, again, fits into Jesus' prayer, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I think a lot of times we have this idea that it's all about getting out of this place. Like, let's just get in the heaven spaceship and leave, right? And this place is gonna burn one day. Um, when really the narrative of scripture is an, a narrative of um, restoration and reconciliation, it's about actually putting it back together, where Revelation 21, the end of the book, you know, says that heaven's gonna come down to earth like a bride adorned for her husband. And um, I think that's a bigger vision. It makes me more excited that my life actually matters. Because if it's about that escapist vision, then who cares what I do here, let's just go there. But when it really matters, I think that's what makes it really exciting. Well, when we realize, I think, that God has a wonderful journey planned for us. Exactly, exactly. It's not hang in there until exactly. it's time to go to heaven. Yeah, and I think, again, Revelation 21, 22, it seems like real and dense, mm -hmm. and it's a city, and there's, you know, everything's vibrant, and, the, you know, I would like to believe a city entails that there's food and art and music and all these different things, and that's a place I really want to go to. You've got a second chapter that says the temple's not what you think. What is it? He's, you say he's not pitching a tent in the backyard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, you know, it's one of those famous Christmas verses, uh, John um, 114, right, where it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt in Greek literally means tabernacle. So you can basically say the word became flesh and tabernacled or templed among us. And again, that's the story of scripture is not about, you know, um, a building, but actually about that being a shadow. So when we see the temple in the Old Testament, that's kind of God preparing us for the true temple, which is Jesus, and then we become recipients of that by the power of the Spirit, meaning like it's living, it's breathing, it's, um, and, and the cool part about that is when you read that John 1 verse, like, um, you know, the Old Testament temple, it's a temple, it doesn't move, right? But, but Jesus becomes that new temple and he has legs, right? So now this temple is on the offensive, right? This place where heaven and earth is crashing together, this place of God's dwelling place and space is now going out and kind of infecting the earth with his presence and beauty and joy. And that's, again, what we're called to do as disciples. If we get it the way you're trying to help us get it, mm -hmm. uh, think the way he wants us to mm -hmm. think, I feel like it's critically important that everyone understand, everyone here in the studio, mm -hmm. hundreds of you, 
and, and everybody watching all over the world, mm -hmm. that we have been left here by divine assignment for a divine purpose. Mm -hmm. If he has left us here not to discuss the times or the seasons, mm -hmm. which have been set in his power, mm -hmm. and don't start asking, well, is this the time you're going to set it up the way we think it's going to mm -hmm. be and the way everybody thought? He says, don't even get caught up in all of that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's fine for you to study. It's fine yeah. for you to wonder about the future. Mm -hmm. Fine for you to see the things that I've said. But he said, what I want you to be is a witness mm -hmm. at home in Jerusalem, mm -hmm. then in the surrounding communities, and then to the end of the earth. So I feel like I'm here on a divine assignment, a divine mm -hmm. mission to be a witness for Christ. Yeah. Is that what you feel like people need to hear? And do you feel like people in churches who are supposed to be the church, yeah. the body of Christ, are failing to realize that they are here right now for divine purpose? Yeah, I think that's... We're, we're, we're created to be image bearers, and I almost take a whole chapter in there, I think chapter five or six, to talk about that, where, you know, we were given a job from the very beginning, and the way I've heard it that I really like to think about it is um, kind of like a 45-degree angled mirror, right? Like humans are that. And what that means is like if you are a 45-degree angled mirror, then when God is kind of shining down on you, it's just natural that light would then go out when it's at 45-degree angle, right? And then same thing going back, right? Like then, So that's our job as image bearers is to reflect the divine beauty and grace and presence into the world, right, as a witness, as a disciple, and then reverse, right? Then take the earth, take all the raw materials out there, make something beautiful out of it as a creative being that we can do and then bounce that back up to God and worship. So it's kind of this two-way street of that mirror. And I think that's a really interesting way and really beautiful way to think about being a witness. So then ask yourself, yeah, how and where in my life do I need to do that? Where in my life am I not doing that? And, and how can I get better at that every day? Do you think that actually showing an interest in people when you're around them, uh, letting them know that you, you notice and you care mm -hmm. and that if there's any need that you would be willing to help take that to God or help deal with it? Do you think that's a part of an important process of being a witness for Christ I mean, I think that, and, and that light? I think that's the main process. You know, there's a, a, Jesus does a little play on words in, you know, the Gospels where he says um, the greatest commandment, so singular, is love God and love neighbor, which is two commandments. So why you know, is Jesus like, you know, like a C student or what's going on there, right? <laughs> um, but I think what he's saying there specifically is the, it's one commandment because you can't have one without the other right? Like you can't love God without loving neighbor. And by loving neighbor, you're actually loving God. And um, that's really convicting, first of all, because I think a lot of us, especially medieval times since, are very much private spiritual, meaning like my walk with God is about me in the prayer closet, me in my quiet time, me doing this, which yes, that is an aspect, but actually how you treat other people is one of the biggest aspects, which is why Jesus said, what you do to them, you do to me. And I don't think we take that as seriously as we really could. Well, you know, John emphasized highly that if you say you love him, but you mm -hmm. don't love your brother, you're a liar, you're walking mm -hmm. in darkness, you don't know the truth. Mm -hmm. And and this is it's so sad the way people don't like like each other. I, mm -hmm. I find many people that I think may not know what would be helpful if mm -hmm. they knew it. I even think I know many people who profess to be Christians who are simply wrong. Mm -hmm. But I have a God-given love for all of them. That's why mm -hmm. I talk to people who are outside my Baptist circle, let's mm -hmm. say, or my particular gateway church circle. Mm -hmm. I want everyone to know Christ. And, and I want to treat people that I believe are wrong or incorrect or imperfect or they're misguided or just totally deceived. I, I want to reach out to them the same way I would want someone to reach out to me if mm -hmm. I were misguided or deceived or defeated. Mm -hmm. And I think this is exactly what Jesus does, and I mm -hmm. think the church must do that. And I, I feel like I hear you saying that mm -hmm. continually. You, you actually told us in that first YouTube little piece that mm -hmm. you did, you're still doing a lot of these YouTube clips. Is there a particular vehicle they go to if they want to see some of these these word messages that you're putting out, their visual and words? Where would they find Yeah, them? Yeah, they could go to YouTube and then just search my name, or my actual username is Bebo. 
all 1989, which I'm not too proud of, but I chose it when AOL Instant Messenger was a thing, like 10 years ago, yeah. and you cannot change it. But yes, yeah. you, will, you can find me either way. You know, you have a chapter in here where you talk about brokenness, mm -hmm. that brokenness is not, not what you think. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, I believe God uses broken vessels. Mm -hmm. I have a broken heart. Betty and I have had things happen. We lost a daughter. That's, mm -hmm. that's brokenness. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're talking about brokenness. What do you want us to hear? I feel like you want us to see something maybe from a different perspective or with a better yeah. understanding. What do you that, say? That chapter was an interesting one uh, to write because I think for me it was one of the hardest because it's always hard to write about that from your own perspective. And then two, but what's been cool about it is that I've already heard from a few people that have been able to read early copies that that's the one that's resonated the most. And that kind of fits in with the point that I try to make in that chapter where um, I use the analogy of like, um, you know, a lot of times I grew up thinking that brokenness just was me showing uh, weakness or failure or maybe I wasn't doing it right or maybe like something was wrong with me or I didn't understand the scriptures. You know, just something was wrong, right? Um, when in reality, I think brokenness, two things can happen, but you have a real good opportunity to show Jesus in that moment in a way you couldn't before. And the analogy I use in, the, in chapter eight of the book is um, uh, scars versus wounds, right? So I talk about everyone, and I think this is even, even more true with my generation with social media and online and all that stuff, that we're so wounded. We have an, an immense amount of wounds. Um, and the thing that's true about wounds is like, um, like if you have one physically and you touch it, right, it, you cringe, right, it hurts. If, if someone else tries to touch it, you kind of pull back. You don't let them see it. You, you cover it up. You're never honest, whatever it is, right? Um, and I think a lot of us, we have a lot of those spiritually. We have those places where we don't let anyone touch. We don't let anyone near. If anyone does, we cringe. We pull back. We kind of remove from relationship if they get close to that part of our hearts. It's usually the darkest things that have happened to us or that we've done to other people. But what I talk about, though, is a lot of times we need to realize that Jesus takes those wounds and makes them scars, right? When, it, when a wound's been healed, it becomes a scar. And the interesting thing about scars is they're way different, right? And what I mean by that is um, you're not afraid to talk about them, right? Like, you don't tell people your wounds because they hurt and they're fresh, but, like, when someone, like, a, a scar doesn't hurt anymore, right? Like, if someone touched a scar, I don't cringe, it's right? It's actually a little yeah, yeah. bit tougher. And, yeah, exactly. And, in fact, it, it tells a story, right? Like, I, um, I, I have a little tiny uh, scar on my upper lip you might be able to see. I, when I was one year old, I thought it was a good idea for me to eat the dog's food. He didn't think that was a good idea. <laughs> didn't end well. Um, so does that one. I, I have a, a seven-inch scar on my shoulder from when I played baseball in high school, dove weird, and just my shoulder blew up. So I got two titanium plates and screws in there. But yeah, but scars tell a story. And so the whole point that I talk about in Chapter 8 is might you, it takes some soul digging, and a lot of people don't like to do it, but if you really want joy, you really want peace, you really want that fullness that you're looking for, it happens by taking off the mask, being vulnerable, vulnerable, uncovering the bandage and taking it to the healer, which is actually a title of God in the scriptures. And then it's exactly what you were talking about a few minutes ago with witnessing, right? Then instead of hiding those parts about you, you then actually kind of roll your sleeves up and say, look what Jesus did. You tell your story. And I think that's um, a real interesting way to think about it that we have to get to and, and ask ourselves what parts that people get close to hurt and might we actually bring those to the feet of Jesus, let him heal them in the same way that, you know, uh, his scars came about, which is through the death and the resurrection, right? Kind of Romans 6, mm -hmm. baptism of letting it die, bringing new life out of it. And when that happens, then you can be honest and, and not worry about pain anymore and just say, look what Jesus did. I think if we could really get honest, uh, I think most people are looking for someone that'll admit the truth. Uh, about their own battles and so forth, mm -hmm. and know that, that we can find someone who won't bury us in the muck or even bury us in the mm -hmm. pit we dug with mm -hmm. our own mistakes. Yeah. But, but you know, don't turn your face down. Turn your face mm -hmm. up to the one who's on the edge of the pit you may have dug, mm -hmm. looking down, wanting to lift you up out of it. 
I mean, we really have to realize that's where he is. He's inclining his ear. Mm -hmm. He says he lifted us up out of a horrible pit and mm -hmm. put our feet on a, on a solid foundation. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter where we've been, how we failed, he will heal the scars. We can become stronger and more radiant. You know, Jefferson, God's given you a tremendous amount of wisdom. You know from the time I met you, I've liked you. I've always been your butt. I mean, I've always been pulling for you. You mm -hmm. never wondered about that, did you? No. You felt like you had a fan and a friend yeah. in me. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you, you're, you're, you are exceptional. Mm -hmm. you, you're, you're brilliant. And you are very articulate. You have incredible gifts. I marvel at what God's put in you. And I just pray you'll continue to be a real faithful witness. I pray people will visit uh, your website. I hope you'll go to the bookstores or go online and get the book. As a matter of fact, if you don't mind, I will give it to our viewers as a gift, which means we have to pay for it. And that means, you know, that's pretty nice. You know? So My but, wife but would be stoked. I, yeah, I, I, will, I will tell you, and I'm saying to you, I believe what this young man has to share is of great value. Mm. And would you agree that this guy's a gift, and would you agree to join me and Betty and pray for him that God will use him? And you say thank you, Jefferson. Thank you for, for giving the Lord your life mm -hmm. and receiving the gifts that he's given you and, and really using them for his glory. Mm. Uh, I, I want you to know the book is in the bookstores. You can get it online. And it might be a wonderful thing for you to give to a, a young person you know that, that is seeking or growing. When you look around your church and you see young people, why don't you ask, God, could I get that for somebody at the church? One of the young people. And how about just for you? Mm -hmm. Or how about you read it? and pass it on. Uh, Betty, I want to show our, our viewers uh, really what I believe will, will capture their heart like our, our hearts mm -hmm. have been captured. Uh, I, w I want you to just kind of move into a setting and, and not only be there in the individual who represents what we do so well, but I want you to be there looking through the eyes of Jesus, knowing this, and this is, this is not an exaggeration at all, you can be the answer to the challenge and you can actually be the very hands of Jesus and you can effectively express the love of God. Watch this and see if you don't want to do that. It's exciting. Been here in Angola for about the last week. This is my first time overseas. It's my first time leaving the country and to say there's been some eye-opening experiences and some levels and degrees of shock would be an understatement. The malnutrition clinics, those have been um, by far some of the toughest things I've seen. Um, the first day in the clinic, I held a kid that Mr. Peter said might have less than a 10% chance of living. And looking at the mother of the child and just knowing what it feels like to be in that position of helplessness is the hardest part because from personal experiences, I know what it feels like in those situations. I, I don't have kids, but I've sat there in my own life experiences. I've sat next to my mother when she was going through chemo and I've been in those hospitals and I've know what it's like to sit in that situation and you feel helpless, you feel like you can't do anything. There's nothing that you can do right then and there. You want to fix it. So to be able to see the productive feedings that LOI has helped provide to these villages so we keep them out of the clinics is good to see. And 
Just because you're not here handing a bowl to a kid doesn't mean that you're not actually feeding them because these kids can't survive without you. We can't be here without you to help them. And when you see the kids smile when they get food and you see them happy and you, you see them so grateful, they're grateful for you. There's no way to explain the joy that is flowing in our hearts right now. Uh, as we see the children with their lives saved because of the love of God through people like you, but also that's our, our grandson that graduated from Baylor just a few weeks before he went there to the mission field in Angola, Africa. That is the first son of our daughter that went to be with Jesus just over two years ago. That's Robin's son. And uh, the little kid that used to greet us when we'd go up to see Robin and her husband and our three grandchildren, her children, they would meet us with a sack full of money, running out to the car and say, we've been saving all the money we could to help the kids over in Africa. And there he is. And he's just such a, a beautiful picture of the love of God and when he says he understands suffering as he looked at the mothers and the children, he certainly does. And watching him hold that baby, I just talked to him about two days ago for quite a while. He said, Papa, I never will be the same. My whole life's really been changed. And I said, I know, Chris, ours was too. When we saw very legitimate needs, it could be met so beautifully and effectively with love. Well, Chris is there, and that's the, that's those, those malnutrition clinics are miracles of love. It's just like now, we need, we need eight more 10-ton trucks to keep delivering food. A lot of them have worn out, and we've bought scores of them over the years. You have. Well, we need eight. That's very expensive, over $300,000. Uh, we need a tremendous number of the little bowls that we give to the children so that they don't have to bring the, the 10 cans or plastic bags. And you're the ones that thought up the bowls. And uh, you saw Chris uh, feeding there with these bowls that you put the food in. And, and we really need to replace a tremendous number of them and get the trucks. But when we hear our grandson and we know that journey that brought him to that place where he could speak with such brokenness and sincerity, I can't help but believe there's not a person watching, Betty, that wouldn't say, I want to I wanna help get those trucks. I want to help feed 10 children or five or three. What's going on in your heart when you watch? Well, first of all, with great joy, I watch our grandson. I'm not a bit surprised to see him over there because, like James said, since he was very small, he had a drawing to the children that needed food, that needed help, and he wanted to help, as all our grandchildren do. They love to give to others that are in need. But, you know, I look at that, and I think there's an opportunity for us to help these precious little ones, and it takes some of the things that don't seem so that we can't be necessarily drawn to so much. And, but, but it's so important, that's the transportation. We have to have the transportation to get the food to them so that you can see the smiles on their faces when they get that nourishment in their bodies. So I hope you will join us. Let's please be a part of let's getting the transportation so we can continue to save the lives of these children. Thank you, Betty. That, uh, I really believe Betty expressed the heart of the Lord and so did Chris. And I think you want to. I want you to be mindful that for $30, 50 or 100 we can feed three, five, or 10 children for months. And you're the only ones to provide that. I find myself in my heart longing that if you could possibly help us care for 10, you will. 
and so they don't end up where those children were basically maybe the last days or hours if they don't have a miracle. But let's get them before they get there. And we've got 400,000 of them we've located and we need the food and you're the only ones that can provide it. Would you right now go to lifetoday.org? Would you get up and move to make that uh, mobile device or whatever you can get to go online? Or you can dial the phone number and just take your bank card and use it like a check. Please do that. How often do you use it for something that really is not that necessary, but this is life-giving? Would you make that gift now? Father, I pray everyone who can will, in Jesus' name. We have some beautiful gifts to send to you just to say thank you for helping us care for those children and give them life and to provide the miracle of those trucks and the thousands of bowls that we need to replace. Please go, lifetoday.org, or dial that number. Disease, malnutrition, starvation, all terrible human atrocities being faced every day by people living in remote and impoverished areas of Africa. And those at greatest risk are the children. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, able to feed and care for over 400,000 children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With previous food reserves gone and malnutrition levels in Angola rising due to increased food scarcity, we desperately need to replenish our supplies for our feeding programs immediately. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Also, please consider an additional gift toward our $316,000 goal to provide eight all-wheel drive trucks and 76,000 new bowls for the children. As our thank you, we'll send you this soft-cover journal Bible featuring the Gospels, Psalms, and Proverbs for your devotional time in the Word. With your gift of $100 or more to help feed 10 children, please request the complete Holy Bible Journal Edition, perfect for keeping notes and insights as you read and study. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed 100 children, you may request this beautifully framed canvas print of the Forest Chapel by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Well, you can see the beautiful gifts that we want to send to just, just express our love for you. And Betty and I say thank you so much. By the way, thanks for praying for our daughter's children and our daughter when she's in her battle. And I think you can see in Chris, your prayers are answered because of the love of Jesus. And you pray for Jefferson. I think a lot of you have since you met him on YouTube, met him here. His book is wonderful. If you, you, you help us help those kids, you say, hey, would you mind sending me Jefferson's book? We'll sure send it to you. We'll be glad to. So just ask for it. But it is online. You can get it in the bookstores. And uh, Jefferson is our friend, and he's going to always be in our prayers. Would you like to say thanks to Jefferson and assure you? Thank you. You know, we're always on your team. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate you guys. Thank you hey, so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your help. By the way, visit the stream, stream.org. Get enlightened and get educated, okay?
Tomorrow, Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter Laura Story shares what life is like as her husband deals with the effects of a brain tumor. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.